0: It's the podcast is episode seventy three. My God, can you believe it? How are you? What? Okay. Well, look. If things aren't all right, just sit with them. All right. Don't don't be don't let those people who say cheer up might never happen. Maybe it has happened, but that's all right. It's fine. Just just deal with it in your own time. Okay. Sorry. What do you say? What's going on with you, Craig? I tell you what's going on with me. Last Friday, I jumped in the car and I made a 320-mile round trip, meeting Griff, just to record two episodes. Just two. 320-mile. My God, I was knackered for the weekend. But I tell you what, it was so worth it because... It was a part two bonanza. One with Steve Everts And I tell you what, you're going to love it. It is... It may even be better than the first episode. I mean, look, I, I, I left the episode crying with laughter. It's a brilliant episode. And then... I went to meet the one and only Joseph Gilgum and you know, I, how I always talk about people and it overwhelms me with people's beauty and honesty on the podcast. I think Joe's part two, it takes it to another level. I mean, this is soul bearing stuff and it's inspiring stuff Um, so hold on to your socks for that. It's not going to be soon, but it'll be, it'll be within a month, I would say. All right. So just let's keep things calm. Let's get back to the job in hand because this is episode 73. And I was thrilled that we could meet up with the mighty Olivia Cook. Now, Olivia, she just got off a plane that morning and she came to meet me in Griff in London. And uh, surprisingly, she wasn't knackered. She was all right. She was in great form. And, um, yeah, we just got down to it and we nattered and she's brilliant. Now, look, you're going to know Olivia from loads of stuff. Most recently, you'll know her from uh, Vanity Fair on ITV if you're in the UK, if you don't, you'll definitely know her from Steven Spielberg's ready player one. You'll know her from me and Earl and the dying girl. She's been doing fantastic independent films, thoroughbreds, which was amazing. Or the series Bates motel. Um, obviously this being the two shot podcast, we don't really talk about work, but I tell you what, you're going to know Olivia a damn sight more after this episode, because, uh, She's incredible. Um, a few more things, but I'm going to get to them at the end. So stick around. This is episode seventy-three of the Two Shot Podcast with the brilliant Olivia Cook. Enjoy.
1: Oh, fantastic! Have we started.
2: Uh, we can have started. We have started to say that's Oh, a, that's is a, that's Seamless. Seamless it is. <laughs> See, the commitment that you've shown already by flying all the way over from just America just to come and do this podcast yeah. speaks volumes. It up. does, doesn't it? It of does. My
1: character and um, my... just how good of a human and how great I am.
2: So let's talk about that for about five <laughs> hours, about how great you are as a human. Um, how are you? You all right?
1: Yeah, I'm good. I'm a bit fucked. When just, did you
2: get in? Um, yesterday? This
1: morning. This morning? Yeah. Oh,
2: I thought you came in yesterday. No, no, no,
1: this morning. Which is fine, because usually I sleep on planes, but this time I didn't, because I was, like, going over my head. I was like, what am I going to say? And it was really, really annoying me, because I was just having these conversations with a, with a pretend you in my head. <laughs> and then, Look,
2: it's bad enough having the real thing, let alone a pretend yeah. me in your head. Yeah. That's terrible. No wonder you didn't bloody sleep. <sighs> no, was fine. But you're not worried, you're all right? You're not yeah. concerned?
1: Yeah, I think, like... Probably, maybe it'll make me more vulnerable and open. Oh, sorry. Look at that. Thank you. See, it's
2: all about the sound.
1: Producer, Producer Griff just Producer came Griff in and gave us coasters. Just some
2: little coasters on the table <laughs> because he really cares about the sound. Um, But apart from being knackered.
1: Oh, yeah, I feel good, actually. I had a, quite a reflective um, weekend where I was like, oh, God, the year's ending. I'm flying back to London. This year's been actually really Lovely.
2: Do you do that every year? No. Towards the end?
1: No, because I find that I'm quite negative and I'm always
2: As a person? Yeah. Oh
1: I'm not right. negative, just um pessimistic. And so I'm just always kind of like protecting myself from being too overly overly excited about things. But on reflection, this year's been Yeah, it's been really really lovely and great.
2: And have you been bobbing about everywhere this year? Or have you been based
1: No, I've been bobbing about everywhere. Um I yeah, I did a lot of promoting this year, so like a lot of just Going to places for like twenty four hours and then talking about yourself
2: and then fucking off again.
1: Yeah, the same story. Do you
2: find that alright, or do you? Is it the repetitive questions that you find difficult?
1: I mean, it's fine. I, it just, I just find it r- mentally just um, draining, draining. Yeah, just talking about yourself, talking about you know the, the three anecdotes that you have, and then pretending to laugh every single time when your co-star tells you that same story. and You're like, (laughs) oh, my God, that time was amazing, you know. um, But, no, I mean, there's worse things in the world, isn't there?
2: And do you think that becomes part and parcel of, because I always think you don't finish a job until you do that, until you do the press and the interviews, because it doesn't really finish until that that ends.
1: Yeah, and I remember, because I promoted something this year that we shot, Two years ago, so I don't really. remember, My brain's like could save like I don't remember hardly anything, like or any anecdotal, um hilarious things that happened. And if they were hilarious, I can't really talk about them because yeah,
2: because they were private and they happened yeah, in exactly. that moment, and it's not for you, and it's not going to help sell yeah. the film or whatever it is. I remember the
1: producer? I remember the producer coming to me when we were filming, being like, "Remember what just happened here? Remember it, because then you need to talk about it." And I was like, "Okay, okay." And then I've forgotten what what we did in that moment to make her say that. But it is really hard
2: <laughs> to do that because you you put all your time, your effort and your energy into that three or four months, or however long it is. Yeah. Then you have a massive break and then you have to go and pick up and remember it.
1: Yeah, and you're not yourself anyway. You're just this like version of yourself that you that you want to be and also that they want you to be as well. So you, you always come away feeling a little bit grim.
2: Do you find that hard, trying to be a a version of what somebody else would want you to be instead of 100% being yourself in those situations. Yeah,
1: but then I feel like, I don't know if you feel like this, but I feel like I'm a different person to everyone that I'm, that I'm with as well, That I, nearly everyone that I meet as well. There's always, like, a different version of me that I'm, that they're getting. Well,
2: I suppose so, because you adapt to your surroundings... Yeah. ..and you, you empathise with who you're with.
1: Yeah, and I suppose different people bring out this comfortability factor... You but you don't get that when you're doing like junkets, you feel very exposed, and you. I always feel like they're trying to put me into a corner or ask about the Me Too climate and if I've ever been raped on set, you know what I mean? And so, like, navigating that, those questions all the time, especially this year, has been a bit so. I just want to talk about me just prancing around on set and saying lines and talking about the story, yeah.
2: Some people can try and get a bit too personal though, Mm. in those situations, oh,
1: yeah, yeah. And I know, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's weird because then you try and like answer it really respectfully, but you've they've already got an angle in their head on on, if it's print, especially. Well, exactly, yeah, Yeah.
2: which is why obviously doing come talking to me is something completely different. Oh no, it's amazing because there's because there's no there's no angle. Yeah, it's just to to get a version of a human. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, which is nice because I feel like. I don't know. There's been a lot this year, and a, and a lot. I have just me I just did some interviews last week, and I read them a couple of days ago, and just completely misquoted, and every yeah. fact is wrong, and I'm just like, oh, That's and not hardly me. anyone, yeah, and hardly anyone reads them. But I'm just like, oh, I can't be asked anymore.
2: Do you go back and read them?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I would love to say that I don't Google myself or like read in uh, reviews and stuff like that. but I can't help it. It's so odd that I think that. I'm in this job anyway. So then if there's something written about me, then I just, I can't, I'm like a uh, addict. I have to read it, which is really bad and really bad for my mental health because, you know, I think then I'm really influenced by these people's opinions. Do you
2: think it does influence you in any way? Oh,
1: absolutely, because then I'm like, they're right. Even if if it's a shit review, I'm like, they're so right. They know better than me. Which is annoying because... Oh, sorry.
2: But then even if it's a good review, it affects you. Yeah, and I'm you, like, I am brilliant.
1: Way. I am a revelation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, no-one's ever said that.
2: <laughs> Talk to me about Oldham. Because you don't live there anymore. No. You're firmly quite based in, in Brooklyn. Aren't yeah, you? yeah,
1: yeah. Although I think moving back here next year. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I eventually want to... If I get enough money, eventually just buy here somewhere. Um, so yeah, moving.
2: Would you come back to London if you moved back? Yeah, yeah. I don't think
1: I don't think I'd go back to Manchester because I've not lived there since I was eighteen. So I think when people ask me about oh God, Manchester is such a cool city, I'm like it is, and they're like, you know, where are the places to go, and I'm like, oh God, I don't know I don't anymore. Know. It's yeah. forever
2: changing. Yeah, I mean me and him. Em- go back a few times a year, mm. travelling around, recording with different people. And we do end up a lot in Manchester. Yeah. Because some people are really kind to us and they give us little bases oh, where they? we can record. Yeah. And it means it doesn't cost us anything and then people can come to us. Yeah. And we see Manchester change. I've seen it change loads this year. From a few months here and a few months there and it's, oh, well, that wasn't there then. Yeah.
1: I know. I, I, and when I go back, I just go out to visit my mum in Wrighton, in Oldham.
2: Is that where you grew up in, Royton? Yeah,
1: and, and my mum's still in the same house that we grew up in.
2: Tell me about growing up in Royton.
1: Um, it was really, I mean, it was f- fine. Um, single mum, my sister's five and a half years younger than me. Um, didn't want for anything, but yet didn't have a lot of money. Um,
2: when did your mum and dad part?
1: When I was six and my sister was six months
2: do you mm. do you have memories of that? Yeah,
1: I remember my mum sitting me down on the sofa and saying, um, "So um, your dad's leaving," and I remember just bursting out crying because I thought I had to go with him. Right. And then she was like, "No, no, you're not going anywhere." I was like, "All oh, right, that's fine." <laughs> Callous, um, but he'd, but he'd also they they had a bit of a tumultuous relationship, so he'd left multiple times.
2: Did your dad not sit down and have a word with you and say that oh, I'm going, or was it just?
1: No, you... actually, no. My mum, just my mum. Mom oh, what saying? I can remember, but yeah. Very clearly I remember my mum sitting me down and yeah. But
2: But you felt comfortable that you were staying with your mum?
1: Oh yeah. So relieved. Thought I had to go and leave my leave this lovely house that my mum had, you know, made hers and decorated really nicely. And when I'd, when my dad would take us on holiday, my mum would my mum would redecorate my room. And Appreciate. yeah, she's just such so, such a darling, she's so sweet. So yeah, my mum's wonderful. Um, have you
2: always had that, that strong relationship
1: with your mum? No, I think it was quite hard when I was a teenager. And then Eleanor was prepubescent as well. My, my sister's hilarious. I remember once when she was 11, and we were, you know, it was like team estrogen in the house. <laughs> um, and remember my mum one time, they were fighting on the landing. And I remember my sister, she must have heard it off the TV, but she was like, Mum, just shut up. I can smell your thrush from here. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, my God, I just fell to the floor. It was the funniest thing. And she was 11. She just heard it off the TV. It was the... the So it was a lot of that. It was a lot of like... It was a lot of scrapping. But all from love. And also I had... um, I was always at Oldham Theatre Workshop. So I was always out the house. And when did you
2: start there at the the, the workshop?
1: When I was eight.
2: When you were eight? Yeah,
1: yeah. Because it was in in the Royton Town Hall. And so I'd already done ballet. My mum put me into ballet at like two and a half because I was potty trained. So they let me in. Um don't know how that colour <laughs> correlates, but yeah. Um, but my, I remember my teacher called me bossy once, and so I was like, Mum, I don't want to go anymore, when I was like six. And then did gymnastics for a little bit. And then, Reuton, uh, then uh, Oldham Theatre Workshop was in the Royton Town Hall, so it was like a five-minute walk from my yeah. house.
2: And was there nothing catering for you at school within that?
1: At that time, I was at primary school, and I don't know if they had like a drama department. I think they did...
2: Apart from, like, your nativities and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and, like,
1: hymn practice on a Thursday when you'd sing, like, the Oliver soundtrack.
2: That's perfect. I mean,
1: it was great, yeah, it was wonderful. And we had Mr Johnson, who was always on guitar and on piano, and he was lovely. Um, But, yeah, when I was eight, I think this was the first thing that I... I mean, the first thing, I was only eight, but I remember immediately just... Being so inspired, or having these feelings of in, of inspiration for the first time, and seeing all these people that were older than me because it was a mixed group, and... and
2: also that Oldham Theatre Workshop's got such a massive reputation, yeah. and so many brilliant people have have gone through, that. yeah, and a lot
1: of people that you've had on your yeah, podcast as yeah, well, yeah, yeah. and um, David Johnson wasn't there anymore, but it was this guy called um, still James Atherton who's still there, who runs it with his wife Sarah Nelson. And just remember him being like so, so talented and warm, but icy, and you really had to um, earn his affection. And I was just like, I just wanted to be in, and I met all my best friends there, and it just taught me a sense of community, as well as social skills and and, and discipline and discipline and. And just taught me how to play and just have fun. And, and it wasn't, it was, even though you auditioned for the, the summer shows and the Christmas shows and that was an ordeal and ringing up and seeing if you've got in and yeah. just the absolute sheer terror. And I remember one time I wore a skirt to an audition because I just bought a skirt from Primark and I was really into it. <laughs> and it was so stupid because I, I remember James ringing me up. And how old was I? I think it was in year nine or year eight. And he rang me up and he was like, never, ever, ever wear a skirt to an audition. Again, I nearly didn't let you in, Olivia. nearly didn't let you in, and Crazy. I was like, ah, and then that was a running joke for a while. Me, I'll not, I'll me wearing a skirt, while I should? How um, is he. He was quite, yeah. He was quite tough, but um, obviously it
2: stuck with you right from today. I know you're I mean, uh, wearing I'm some trousers.
1: Trousers. Never seen. Never been in a skirt <laughs> since. Um, he was, yeah. He was, he was quite tough, but in a really lovely, disciplined, measured way. It never seemed. But I suppose Out of those, order.
2: those inspirational teachers, and f- it was a teacher, you know, for, mm. want, for want of a better word, um, they are they are quite tough. The ones that you respect and you look up to, yeah. Because if all of a sudden they just roll over, then you just go, Oh well, I don't really respect you, and you're not going to respect me.
1: Yeah. And he was incredibly talented as well. He played piano. He scored all the musicals. He wrote the um, he wrote the songs, and then we kind of like devised. Um, a show, musical, whatever it was, around um, Sarah Nelson, his wife's writing. Right. So it was just such a wonderful double act. Um,
2: and they're still running it now?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And can you remember? Because you know, I've spoken to loads of people all around, and they say, you know, for the younger ones nowadays, you know, the 14, the 16-year-olds, there's not a lot for them Mm. to do anymore. Mm. But the great thing is that the online Theatre workshop's still going. And I know Nottingham, Mm.
1: uh,
2: the television workshop, does a lot of stuff and doesn't charge people, young people, a lot of money.
1: No, I mean, they still charge. I think it was like to do a full summer show, which was like four months, um, eight hours a week. And then... And then you do a show for a week, and then there was like two weeks rehearsal before that, and then there was like this mental twenty-four hour rehearsal that we did. Um, I think that was like ninety quid. But you see, but it's like for four months, like look eight at hours that,
2: a week. Look at that amount of time. That's a long period yeah. of time. That is an accessible amount of money. People could, could find that right. Yeah,
1: and you can, and you can, you could pay in installments as well. Yeah, it was wonderful. And I never really thought, I've only really thought about the money now. But I remember at the time thinking, because my mum and dad, you know, obviously would argue over money. And because um, they were together and it were expensive. But they were, you know, I remember at the time being like, oh, God, it is a lot of money, 90 quid. But really, in hindsight, to to have like essentially a babysitter for eight hours a week. Yeah. It's not, I it's mean, it's... If you divide it up by week by week, it's pittance. And
2: for you to be sort of nurtured and inspired yeah. in that amount of time, it's nothing. Because I got, I had a small discussion with somebody who, who I, I, I think is great um, on social media, I and mean, it was a private thing. Mm. But they'd uh, they they'd made a comment about a television acting for television workshop, right? Mm. And it was over the space of a weekend and they were selling early bird tickets, right? Which means these are a bit cheaper. So get in now. And I've never heard of any of these people, Mm. I must admit. And it was something like, um, I can't quite, but it was in this ballpark region of about £180. For a weekend? Just for the weekend, right? And that was, they were saying they were the cheaper tickets. Now, when some children can't even afford, like, bus fares to get mm. to certain places, and you're asking people to stump up that amount of money for people who, no disrespect, I haven't heard of...
1: Absolutely. You don't know their <laughs> credentials and they're just exploiting... I don't think
2: it's right and I don't think yeah. it's fair. Um, and it seems to me that things like that can be all about the money.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it just its it feels like this... Maybe I'm generalising a little bit too much, but it feels like this strange American mentality of all, all this, like all this, um, all this desperation in people now to just be famous for famous' sake. Yeah, and I just, I just think it's really ugly, and it's not about the art, and it's not about the community, and it's not about nurturing who you are as a person. No, you know, and, and harvesting that in order to give to a specific medium. And, yeah, it's just... And what can you learn in a fucking weekend?
2: Well, exactly. You can be spoke at for yeah. a few hours. Um, uh, it you can just,
1: each other the same words. Well,
2: exactly. And what's <laughs> that going to do? It just kind of worried me that some, you know, people can get exploited Yeah. very easily. Yeah. Um, and I always go back to places like mm. Oldham and Nottingham, which I know are constantly finding... Th- it hard to get money from the community and yeah. help, but if places like that shut down, then where else would people go? Right, to, to really start
1: into these places, and with aren't... more
2: and more, you know, drama classes at school going, Oh, well, they're secondary, they mm. don't really mean anything, let's not have them at school, or let's cut them down to once a week yeah. or once a fortnight. It's kind of not on, it kind of gets
1: no. my blood boiling. No, no, absolutely, and I remember. There was a a few times where we protested outside of um, theatre workshop and the local news had brought in because the council was willing to shut down and, you know, either, you know, repurpose the building. And, yeah, it was always, like, it was always um, really frightening because a lot of us, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of children and adults were just like, where are we going to go?
2: Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? What we're we going to do? Where are you going to learn?
1: Yeah. I, also, I wouldn't. I don't. I genuinely don't know what I would have done if that time hadn't been taken up by theatre workshop. I don't know what I would have done. I want. I wouldn't have. Something wouldn't have been the person I am today. And I don't know if I would have been doing this job. No. And it's funny because I think with David Johnson, who I then, when I was eighteen, actually went and did a few um, classes with him, and he's brilliant. Um, when I first, when I got my first job, but. James is James wasn't um wasn't nurturing these people in order to get them into TV or film or theater if that happened then great but it was it was definitely more community based and having a safe place for these these young children these eccentrics these outcasts these misfits mm. to really um explore themselves and play and play yeah
2: did because it sounds like you speak very passionately, like about the workshop, and that mm. really comes across. And I'm just wondering: did school kind of take a a bit more of a oh, backseat? Absolutely.
1: I, did I I remember when I when I got into year seven and just being like, oh my god, I've got five more years. I've got literally five more like years. Like the prison the prison yeah, wall, yeah, just like scratching, it down. Yeah. it, um, And I could just see it before me. It was just this never ending road, and I just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like school oh, I was just fuck it was cold I was bored all the time I think I was I was clever and I got by but in that sense that I just didn't try anymore and I was a bit disruptive and a bit
2: why were you disruptive I don't
1: know actually I think actually in in the first 2 years of secondary school which I didn't realize would be so um so horrible like people kids are fucking horrible and kids are really really cruel and oh yeah,
2: Did, you didn't know. That? No, <laughs> it came,
1: like you come from junior school, and no one really gets bullied in junior school.
2: Have different catfish, yeah. Though, isn't it? Everything, everybody changes.
1: And then suddenly you're eleven, twelve, and you all get put together. All these, all these other competing junior schools get mashed together. Mm. And um, yeah, I think year nine came around, and I was just sick of being um, unpopular. And um, so I got a sweepy side fringe. And I remember that changed everything because then everyone else got a sweepy side fringe. Transetter. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think I got a boyfriend as well and got drunk on Lambrini at 13. And I think these popular girls at school found it hilarious because I was just a mess. And obviously they've been drinking since they were like two. Um, <laughs> and so I was a bit of a... Uh, I think they thought I was... Um, just a bit of a laugh to have around, and then I just started, you know, just being a bit disruptive and just being a bit more theatrical in lessons in order just to get approval from quite these me. people.
2: Yeah, we are one actually, that like my answer? mum. My
1: mum tells me a story. She was like, Olivia, I got a call from your maths teacher, and. um she wasn't very happy with you and I was like, All I did was breathe and then apparently the math teacher was like, Yeah, but she does it like this. <laughs> 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 From being asked to do something. So yeah. you were
2: acting very young then. You were already acting in the classroom. Yeah,
1: there, there you go. Yeah. I th- yeah, I think I knew the I, I knew how to get a rise out of teachers, but in a way where I knew when when to stop. There's, a, you see, there, you knew there's your a, boundaries. I knew boundaries, but there was a. you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of boys that, you know, would make a teacher cry and then you'd be like <gasps> That was already always a a horrible...
2: He's usually the supply teacher in our school.
1: Yeah, always. Or they'd come into the class and you'd be like, "Mm, Oh,
2: not those.
1: It's not me, it's you. Mm, you I remember a whole mm. class doing that
2: once. And I think because they saw it on grain gel and then they repeated (laughs) it. Don't don't repeat it the next day, but let's wait for a week and then we'll all do it and everybody has to do it. Grain gel. Oh, it's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> it
1: does, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> that and heroin. Poor Zamo, before your time.
1: Yeah, you don't remember Zamo, do you? No, I don't.
2: Look up, just say no, YouTube.
1: Oh, just say no. Yeah, I do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. But um...
2: so, did you think? Were you thinking at that moment, not at that around that time, you were so passionate about the workshop and mm. that was kind of taking over your life that this was something that you could do for a living?
1: No, no, I remember. At fourteen, because I was, my the friend group that I made were all a year older than me, so they were always all starting thinking about auditioning for drama school, and I was just going to follow in their footsteps because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, I remember at that time, a year feels so massive, and I would copy them a lot because their humor and their wit was so much more, um, so much more elevated than mine at that point. And so, anything that they did, I wanted to do. And my best mate. Sam. And we're all we're all still, we've got a core, the, we're four, pe- four best friends and we're all still best friends now, which is wonderful because I feel like I met my people there rather yeah. than at school and school was just something that I had to do to kind of pass the time. Of course. But at 14, my best mate Sam had been acting a bit. He was in Shameless and he did The Street. Right. Um,
2: so you were seeing, that's the thing, because some people go, well, I never saw anybody mm-hmm. on the telly. Who was like me that I thought, oh well, if they can do, it. I can. but you see, around that time, we had the, those people. Remember when there was a time when all you could see was Northern people on the tele. Yeah, everything was about yeah. the North.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it
2: was very sort of on trend to be from the North.
1: Right, it was all coming out of like Beverly Hills. Yeah, office, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That um, was the
2: hub. The Beverly Hills yeah. was the hub.
1: Yeah, she got me my first job. She did. Yeah. I didn't
2: know that. Yeah,
1: um, but he had an agent, and so I was like, "Fuck it, I want an agent too." I didn't know what an agent was. I was like picturing these like men in black agents, um, and then
2: well, they are a bit like that. I'm joking. Though. I mean,
1: who who knows? And then I was like, "I'm going to audition because it was open auditions." Then I auditioned, and it went horrible. And I didn't. They didn't put me on the cast. The acting side. They put me on the um, commercial and modeling side. <laughs> they were like, yeah, For now, side. for now, Olivia. Yeah.
2: Right. And this yeah. was, was this in Manchester. This
1: is in Manchester, so that like right. PHA, right? Yeah, um, but then still carried on with the workshop and also. Were you we still thing. at school at this point? Still at school. Yeah, I was fourteen, and it just felt like that hurdle of like getting an agent felt like all I needed to do to prove to myself. And I remember that that was enough because I remember like um, a boy that I really fancied text me being like, "Oh my god, just told you got an agent. Well done!" And no one really knew what it was. It just sounded dead cool. Yeah. You know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it was the next step, it was the kind of the natural next step for you there, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know, um I wouldn't have got started if I didn't have that agency in in Manchester, or if I didn't have my best mate Sam, or if I didn't have workshop where I met the best mate Sam. The
2: influences yeah. that were all around. Was your mum supportive of what you were doing?
1: She was until I um quit Six form, and she was like, "Olivia, ninety nine percent of actors, ninety nine percent out of the work. Oh, no, ninety nine percent of actors are out of work, ninety nine percent at the time." And she was like, "So you what? So you're just going to work in McDonald's for the rest of your life?" Because I didn't have a plan B and I didn't have any qualifications.
2: Oh, and did you? Was the GCSEs that?
1: Oh well, I had my GCSEs, but do they count for anything? I don't
2: think they do. Yeah,
1: but yeah, I quit. Um, six form. What were you going
2: to be doing in six form?
1: I was doing psychology, English lit, performance studies, and drama. Performance studies and drama were two separate things, so I was like, "Yeah, great." Right,
2: it's just another two. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Um,
2: and why, why was the quit? Why was the enough is enough? I'm quitting now. I
1: would just uh, started working. I got my first job when I was just turned eighteen, and just couldn't handle the studies and also working. At the same time. And then I was kind of given an ultimatum by one of my drama teachers who said, you know, um, actually, the just a really weird, really weird thing. was like, um, these jobs will come time and time again, but you can never get back your education. And I was well, just thinking, I just thought, um, yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, I think you can. So, yeah, then I, I hate, I just didn't, I just, I, I don't think I'm a, it was really hard for me to sit still and just let, and just absorb Um, these teachings, I just, I find it really difficult. And also, I don't think I applied myself massively.
2: Well, no, obviously not, because your heart wasn't in it. And if your heart's not in it, then you're not going to do it. It's like, I was talking to somebody the other day about they accepted an acting job that their heart wasn't in it and they knew Mm. that they shouldn't have said yes. Yeah. They could tell, like, from the gut and they went, and then I just had to suck it up and just get on with it. But I knew.
1: Yeah.
2: And if your heart's not in it, then what's the point?
1: Yeah, but I think, especially at that time, it felt so momentous, this, um, this decision that I was making. It was like life or death.
2: Mm. Um, well, it's kind of a big deal at like that age.
1: Yeah.
2: Especially if you're getting pressure from all sorts of people.
1: You were, do you go to drama school? Yeah. Where'd you go?
2: Mountview when I was 17. Oh,
1: Mountview. My friend, my friend Dan Flanagan went to Mountview. Did you do musical theatre?
2: I did. I did. Well, I, I got accepted on... no. I know I no, did. I got accepted on the acting course. Mm. It's not about me, Olivia.
1: Don't, I know, but I wanted to know. Don't turn this around. No, but me. I wanted to know because you say in your podcast that you went to drama school, but you never say what?
2: because we'll never talk about it. That's oh. right, we'll cut all this out. Oh, shit. No, I <laughs> um, What I did is I got accepted on the acting course, and then uh, I went to the third year graduation of the acting course, and there was not a lot of people turning up. There's not a lot of agents turning up. Mm. Then I went to the graduation of the musical theatre people. And there was nearly every agent, every agent there. Really? From all sorts, all sorts of people. Why do you think that was? All big agencies. I don't know, but I think it was predominantly a more successful... At that time, it's changed very much, and I've been back Mm. since, and I'm going back again this year in 2019. Oh, nice. See what I've done there?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, (laughs) And they've moved to Peckham and... The head of Mountain View now, Stephen, is he's all over it, and the students are incredible. Um, but I think at that time it was more known for it's like it's musical theatre,
1: Right.
2: and as it's well documented, I can't really sing a note. But <laughs> what I did was I acted the ass out of it and said, "Oh, can I move on to the musical theatre course?" Did you? Yeah, because I thought, well, if I'm good off i get any chance. Just I need like a cellophane. decent agent, Mister so, Cellophane. Oh, I did of, that was one of them. They're on yeah, there. Just what's, as the, what's the ones that talk a lot. Yeah, I have one of them. Brilliant. Yeah. What's the one where I can try and make someone laugh? Ding, I'll have one of them. And then I did that because I was trying to think of two two and a half years down the line. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah, it kind of all worked out. That's good. Yeah. Thank God. Oh, well, thank God. Was yeah. it a lot of money then? Well, I was at the end. Why is this suddenly turned on to be I
1: don't name? know. I just, You're
2: skilled. You should start a podcast. This is good. No, I was at the end of... Um, I was in the last year of uh, a grant. Oh, really? So I I got my fees paid, which was the main point, and then I, didn't, I don't think I got any maintenance, so I ended up just doing a lot of work. Right. So I'd work in Pizza Hut mm-hmm. uh, a lot, Right. But then I would and just make
1: stink, stink of that dough. Stink,
2: but then I would also be quite popular because I would take a lot of free pizzas. pizzas home, make oh, a lot of mistakes good. with the orders, <gasps> and then just go on the way home, where's your pizza? That's for you, that's for you. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah,
1: that's cool, though.
2: Um, where are we? What? So your mum wasn't too happy about you leaving sixth form?
1: Mum wasn't too happy because I think also she'd provided a life for me and my sister where... <clears throat> where she just, I mean, she didn't have a lot, but she gave everything to us and just wanted to make sure that we were always going to be all right. Mm. And I think embarking on this really unstable career where I think at the time I was, like, turning auditions down for, you know, um, not not Grange Hill, uh, Waterloo Road and, like, Hollyoaks and stuff, because... In my head, I was like, no, I don't want to be a soap actress. Just because I've got this accent, I'm not going to be a soap actress, you know? Yeah. Which I really also admire people that do that, because it's fucking so hard. Jesus,
2: the I was talking about that as well not long ago, the workload. Yeah. I've known people on them. Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. No, you have to be so super talented, and also, you know, you're not giving the best scripts, and so to make them that land and to make that believable every single day is fucking feet. Um but yeah i was even i was like a snob even then
2: um yeah but you you were much younger then as yeah. well you know
1: but um but i but yeah so my mum was just really she was just probably about, worried she, oh, just yeah, being she was being a mum yeah she was really worried How,
2: what was your relationship like with your dad at the time was he around
1: yeah he's a bit so my dad he, i was about 4 cuz i don't think my sister was born yet and, and i was still in my mom's bed and she was getting me ready for nursery and my dad. I remember my dad. See my dad pack a suitcase, and he was downstairs, opening the door. And I remember just shouting, "Am I going to get a new daddy?" And then I just heard the door slam. No. But new at four, manipulative. What reaction that was going to get out of my dad? Oh God.
2: Um, but it just says so much about what an effect that kind of had on yeah. at such a young age.
1: Yeah, and no wonder I'm trying to and want to be an actor and want to want people to love me
2: and want to escape into the world (laughs) yeah
1: love me daddy um no he does um
2: but do you feel that even now do you feel that i know you say that quite flippantly that you kind of want people to love you do you think there's an element
1: absolutely you want
2: people to like yeah
1: if someone yeah if someone if i can tell that someone doesn't like me or if i do something to offend someone it it plagues it's me. Yeah. yeah. I can think about it for 3 years after. I'll wake up at night and think about this thing and just like whole body regurgitation of just what what I said or what I should have said or what I should have done. Yeah, it really it really eats away. Which is so... it is. I mean I've got I spend so much of my mental real estate on worrying about what I've done, what I've said, what I should have said, what they said to me, what I should have said in as a retort. <sighs> God, yeah.
2: do you do worry, you really do, you are a worrier.
1: Yeah, but texting you'd be like, oh my God, I'm going to be five minutes late, I'm sorry, and then end up being 15 minutes late, and I was like, he hates me, hates me, he's going to hate me. No,
2: but that's <laughs> what I said on the text, it's fine. I
1: know, but that's what my
2: no, I know. thought process well, is. Well, there was, um, I think it was last year, and because I, I book all the guests for the podcast, and obviously I've got to do my day job as well, and I was mm. doing the day job, and, and doing this in tandem can be quite difficult because yeah. the film schedule changes and things went over. And I was five hours late. Was it five hours? I, I <gasps> remember, <laughs> it was about around well, f- between three and a half or four hours late <laughs> for poor Daniel Ryan's episode. Oh. And he stayed and he waited and I turned up oh, and him. I was mortified. And still now, I think I might have texted him the other day going, I'm still upset about the yeah, fact that I Yeah, your bum still late.
1: clenched. Terrible, yeah. terrible
2: behaviour. <laughs> I would hate. I hate people being late for me, and
1: I, yeah.
2: I hate me myself being late for anybody. Especially when they've committed to to do something and speak about sp- the personal things on this. You know. So do you feel that as well? Do you feel?
1: Yeah. Do you think that's a, do you think that's a universal performer, art, actor, artist sort of thing? Putting I think, a, I, think, I, think all s- I know all
2: sorts of creative people that that are, that are huge warriors. Mm. Um if not externally, then certainly internally. Mm. And, you know, they'll have, like, a stomach like a washing machine for oh, ages yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe they'll feel a bit stilted that they can't say, oh, God, see I am quite mm. good at going, I am so sorry yeah, yeah, to yeah, but I can't switch it off. Right. A few days later, I'll still worry about it. Yeah, you'll still this... feel terrible. Yeah, you Even though the other person will be like, oh, what? Oh, that? Oh, God.
1: Yeah, do not even I, register. I haven't, I
2: haven't given that a second's thought. Yeah. Whereas I would, I would kind of hold that with me.
1: Yeah, and I think we're also quite good at holding it together as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, on... On the surface. On the Yeah, 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 face value. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really, Olivia, you didn't seem at all like that. Oh, well, I really was, actually. Answer. Well, I really yeah.
1: was. I shit my pants, actually, and you didn't see. Um, but, yeah, I remember my friend Claudia I just worked with, and now we're really, really good friends, which is lovely. Um, we're talking about our various... Mental health issues, and she was like, oh, I would never have guessed. You're so good at holding it together. I was like, because you have to, because also, like, if you not to play, like, you know, especially as a woman, but if you act up on set or if you have a bit of a wobble, that, then that sticks with you as well. Mm. And people talk about it because there's nothing else to fucking chat about on set, you know.
2: I do love a bit of yeah. little gossip, a little bit of chatter.
1: Yeah, so you have to be so um, amiable. All the time, I and mean, it really.
2: Do you think you're getting better at the, with whole, not just holding things together, but I suppose compartmentalising what you should put the effort into worrying about and what you shouldn't?
1: A little bit. I, I've got a little bit. I mean, I know I'm bouncing about a bit here, but I mean, especially this year, I've had like probably the most successful year that I'm ever going to have in my whole career but I've spent the majority of it majority of it just worrying about the next job and worrying where where it's going to come and then worrying about um oh have I just have I um, have I sold out or and worrying about oh is I, am I not honoring my fucking artistic integrity which is all nonsense and all stupid and all things that I've like I've I've, I've heard and taken on to 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 um, a personal level, because I'm a narcissist. <laughs> and well, I don't... I, no, I, I...
2: I always think you always come across that you just care, really. I don't think... And, and with regards to worrying about the next job, get in line. Every, oh, I know. I think we, I think we all do, mm. to a certain extent. And I don't think that changes. It might get easier. It might You might feel better, but... It's just the, the, the chosen career, I suppose. I
1: know, yeah, and I think.
2: And you have had a brilliant year, but I think I think artistically, I don't. I wonder why you you feel that you would sell out. In what way? In what respect? I certainly can't see anything that you've done. Well, this is the
1: thing. Like I think on even, I think I'd I'd always play devil's advocate in my own head. So even if I'd done, you know, like one art house film, I'd be like, oh, well, I should have done, I should have like applied myself and auditioned for something that was a bit bigger. And now I'm not going to get a job after this because no one would have seen that fucking art house film. You know, it's all, I think also having a lot of downtime as an actor breeds all these um, incessant, unhelpful thoughts as Mm. well that I need to find a better way to channel and filter that and out. filter that out, yeah. Because I think you know, traveling traveling a lot and being on your own in 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 a country that you're not from, and um, I think, I, yeah, I think I just spend too much time just kind of wallowing in my own created misery when, it, when I've, it's a complete fabrication of just this, this this whole. I've created a narrative in my head that's not actually true. So in 2019, I'm going to improve on that, and that's my New Year's resolution.
2: <laughs> well, I think it's, I think that's fun And you know, I know you're joking about that, but I think that's really healthy to to think that positively. And go, you know what? I am going to change that. I, I do. My downtime shouldn't be sitting and deconstructing certain things. Yeah. Because that's going to snowball, isn't it? Yeah. What? How is your downtime? What? What? Um, Apart from sitting down worrying, what what can you do? Do you keep yourself busy?
1: I do, I do try and keep myself busy because um, I had, I've I um developed a bit of OCD. So if I'm just a, um with my own thoughts for too long, then I do find that I get a massive jolt of anxiety and then can sink into a depression quite easily. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Which only started when I was twenty two.
2: What? How did that come about?
1: Um, I th- God, I think having worked consistently since I was 18 and, yeah. not, and not really fully evaluating that pressure, just kind of, um, going on like a bit of a Trojan horse and, um, not a Trojan horse, just kind of like bullying my way through it and living in another country and being homesick and just going from job to job and not really taking care of myself, I think, and and then New Year's Eve, um, right after my twenty second birthday, um, was in Hamburg and it was the most amazing night of my life. It was incredible. Never felt anything like it. I never had a come down until like a month later when I had like a full on mental breakdown and um had had um like a I had a panic attack for a full full like two weeks straight. And um God, I've gone very down in town mm. to, to sell how horrible my life is. You're not selling <laughs> <this toilet laughs> is
2: talking about it. Don't worry.
1: But, but, yeah, it was really, I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to be committed. I'm going to have to be locked up because I started having all these um, incessant um, horrible thoughts and, like, like weird visions as well. Not, like, right in front of me, but in my mind that kept flashing. And, yeah. And, um yeah, I was just having—I was having a full-on panic attack for two weeks,
2: and did you seek help? Did, did you have some yeah, support?
1: Yeah, I was in. Yeah, I was in. I was in LA at the time, and you
2: weren't working though, were yeah.
1: you? Uh, yeah, I was doing. Um, yeah, I was working as well. Oh, My God, during um, this
2: time, during this. Yeah, two weeks. yeah. I just
1: come. I just finished because I did a show for five years. So, in the downtown with that show, because I was a peripheral character, so I'd have like sometimes two weeks. Without working, so instead of staying in, staying in Vancouver, I'll go down to LA or right, okay. wherever where we had mates. And yeah, I'd, I actually this really this this really famous actress that my boyfriend knew. He reached out to her because she suffers with um some anxiety and depression. So he reached out to her and she gave me um like a huge list of of um. Therapist to go to, which was really kind, and so I went to one, and it wasn't right for me. No, <clears throat> I was his last client on the. Uh, I was I was his last client on a Friday, and talking to him, I could just see his eyes glaze right, he's over. glazed. Yeah, he's yeah, done. yeah. And he's yeah, just he's like, no "Oh, and that's really sad for you." Great. And I was like,
2: mm-hmm. "How much?"
1: Yeah. Right, oh, going. yeah, one hundred and fifty dollars yeah, right exactly. there for yeah, an yeah, hour. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh So that's no help. So yeah. did you go? Did you try and find somebody else?
1: I, th- I did, but then I um. But because I was travelling so much, I started Skyping someone who was in Wales and I just got really paranoid about what I was telling her and and what she was telling me back because it felt, it felt too, and she also knew that I was an actress and so it just felt, and also doing it through like a webcam, I just got yeah. really, I just got really icky about spar- it. That's yeah, yeah. That's going to yeah. spare you off. Yeah, and yeah. so and so I haven't really spoken to anyone since, but it has subsided
2: because you've taken the steps to look after yourself a bit more. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think God, I exercise a lot now, which really, really helps. And um, yeah, and I know what triggers my anxiety and i know when i'm feeling it and it's usually i mean a lot of it is around my my menstrual cycle
2: right yeah and um, how's your sleep
1: oh great sleep right. is my one i'll be anxious all the way through the day and then i'll get to my bed and i'm like oh my god i've made it i've made sleep, it
2: uh, this lack of sleep can trigger so yeah, many yeah, things yeah. so many in different ways in yeah. different people
1: weird hallucinations yeah. and yeah horrible and d- thought and depression, patterns yeah. you know
2: that can sink you down
1: yeah but no, my sleep. Even when I was having a that two week um, spiral, I'd go to sleep every night, which is really weird. I'd just get into bed and just be like, because <sighs> my body. I think my body just needed because it, it was so um,
2: it was probably on high alert up every there single for day. Such a level, uh, the amount of time throughout the day, and then all of a sudden, if you can yeah. relax.
1: Yeah, it was really weird because I forget that happened now because it was just such a. I feel so removed from that time and nothing. I remember a year before that. I remember clearly being in um, an apartment in Vancouver and being like, God, I'm so lucky that I've never had any mental health issues. <laughs> you know? I'm, so, I'm one of the lucky ones. I really am. <laughs> and then a year later, just... But I think anything like that
2: can happen to anyone. In yeah. any walks of life. Yeah. But how lucky that we're, we're in an age where it's all right to discuss things oh and talk God. about it. I know. The... The, the stigma I think the stigma is less and less
1: absolutely, and I see my sister she's nineteen and she's struggled with you know anxiety and depression and I think we've realized this year that it's been ongoing for quite a while and got her help and she's really turning around and it's lovely that we can have that dialogue together and yeah, I don't know anyone that doesn't that doesn't suffer.
2: Do you speak to your mum about it,
1: yeah, but when I told her, I was like, mum, I've got um I've got anxiety and depression and it's manifesting this like OCD, um, uh, this this kind of OCD, um, obsessive thoughts kind of way. And she was like, <laughs> um, what did she say? She was like, what? what? So you've had a bad childhood?
2: Right, okay, And I was like, "Thought,
1: yeah. And I was like, oh, mom. I was like, so I don't, I don't, and she was like, Olivia, I would have loved a mental breakdown. I just didn't have time.
2: <laughs> what <you think> <laughs> That but. is, that's, to me, just, <laughs> just. You it's know, a different
1: it, generation as well.
2: Well, one, it's a different generation. Two, it's the mother's guilt. Mm. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, was I not enough? Yeah.
2: Which you quite clearly were.
1: Also, well, I, she definitely did have time. So I remember when I was eight, I think she'd just broken up with her first boyfriend after my dad. And I came into the back garden and she was just sat in, on the bench, like catatonic. And um, I was like, Mum, you all right? And she's like, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm just sad. And I was like, oh. I was like, um, why aren't you crying? She was like, I don't have any tears left. And I was like... And I just remember feeling like so disgusted, actually, that she divulged that information to me, my mum. Yeah. Who was supposed to be a pillar. And I was like, oh. And I didn't like how vulnerable she was, which is really... I mean, I was eight, so I can't blame myself too much, but...
2: It's still a heavy thing to yeah. divulge to an eight-year-old. Yeah. Because how are they going to know? I'm just sad.
1: I'm just sad. Yeah. I
2: mean, she obviously was because to say that.
1: Yeah, and I didn't understand this like pit of despair that she was of in. Not. You're
2: eight years old. You shouldn't be. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to understand that.
1: So I was like, actually, Mum, you have not been depressed. So, ha ha.
2: What did she <laughs> say to that? Um. Did she agree with you? She acknowledged that maybe she has been in the past.
1: Or, or she just, or she considers it something. I think the word "depressed" is it comes with um, is too is too big of a word for her. I think she was just sad for a period, and I'd go into the conservatory and she'd click off the radio, uh, the cassette player straight away because she was listening to self help self help tapes.
2: Well, how amazing that she was oh, trying yeah. to get help. That's for, absolutely you know, for a different generation, it's a whole that's more or less a taboo subject. We don't talk about. They're the yeah, other people yeah. who have those problems. We're all right. We'll yeah. We'll, um, we'll plow on, uh, Stiff up a lip yeah. and all that. We'll just get on with it. But yeah, it's all right. It's all right to go. Oh, I'm not, I know. I'm not in the best place actually at the moment.
1: Yeah, and I wish she did. I mean, she's fine now. And I think me and Ellie are definitely all right. But yeah, it would have been nice for us to have some th- extra support.
2: Do you think if it, you know, if any of that that ever comes a knocking again, you'll be able to deal with it in a different way?
1: I, I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, that's always a bit scary, I think, of dipping under again. But I think also with the way this world is, I mean, I think about just my effect on the planet all the time. Like, why am I here? I'm just one big, like, fucking landfill.
2: Do you and, ever think that with your career and you go, yeah. "What am I doing? why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? What does this mean? It's like,
1: why are we having plastic bottles on set? Like, why is there so many plastic bottles? Are we re- Are we recycling? You know, yeah. and I just think, oh God, why? Yeah, it's just so frivolous, and I'm just doing it because I'm selfish and think there's like a a part of me that needs to be explored, and people want to see it, you know. But then on the other hand, it feels really good,
2: and you really enjoy, and I what really you enjoy do. it,
1: and I love it, and I feel so fucking lucky that I get to live these characters, all these characters in a, in one lifetime. I think it's, yeah, I think it's brilliant. I and think the-
2: that's the key to just to stop sometimes and go. No, I am lucky doing yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. And you can't... Contr- of course, look, we have so much lack of control mm. about doing what we do, and maybe if you don't ever make peace with that, if you're aware of it, but it's about the control of other things. We can't... I can't control someone being on time for me. Yeah. So, therefore, if they are late, I can't get wound up about it. Right. For one instance, you know what I mean? Yeah, There's yeah. many, many other things that we have lack of control over.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can Yeah, relinquishing. mm that power a little bit and just...
2: But I think that's an on... That's, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. It's an onward thing. Yeah, it's
1: a bit of a spiritual endeavour. I think
2: so, yeah. I mean, I'm not too spiritual, but I try and really think about things much more than what I used to.
1: Mm. Yeah, rather than just, like, going off of your head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which,
2: if you sat with your own thoughts for too long, can easily spiral out of control.
1: Absolutely, and I think that's why I don't have um, social media or anything like that, because I think that's just a bit of a poisonous landscape for me. And I think also, its I don't know how, Do you get competitive with an actor? Do you feel, like, jealous when someone, like, in your orbit, gets a job that you wanted? No. No, never? No.
2: Um, probably not. No, probably I was many years ago. But not anymore. Because I... I can only look after me and mm-hmm. um, uh, what I accept to do yeah. or say no to as, mm. as well. And if something else happens, well, that's that's their journey. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's not to do with me. So I just have to be where I am.
1: Yeah. And that's a really good way to put it. But it's,
2: you I've, know, I've been doing this 20 years.
1: Right, I've been doing it six.
2: And I think it's only since I've started the podcast... That I can, that it's helped me in more ways right. than I could possibly ever imagine.
1: Yeah, what well, with talking to other people and well, seeing. For talking their to other people and not
2: necessarily even getting into the nitty gritty because it's not really about acting. Yeah, it's not about that really. So yeah, you know, yeah, it's.
1: But yeah, you've taken control of yeah, your I narrative. Think so. and... I think so. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Why did you end up in New York?
1: I was. 21 doing a film in New Mexico, and I'd got a job in Vancouver when I was 18 after nine months of working professionally. And from then on, was just like bouncing around America, going from job to job. Would go back home to Manchester for five weeks and just fester with my mum, feeling like a 15 year old again when I've just like seen the world. And, um,
2: yeah, because you're going back home to your mum's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's
1: like, Olivia, just clean your fucking room.
2: You get back into that (laughs) that position of what you were before you did all that. Yeah,
1: yeah. (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. Get your cups out the kitchen, get your cups out the, out your bedroom, put them in the kitchen. Um, and then in New Mexico, um, doing a film and fell in love with a with a guy who lived in New York and still together, so that's good. Um, so I was like, "Fuck it, I'll just move to New York." And I did. And then in the first year, that was really really tough because I only knew his his people, his circle, yeah. And he's a bit older than me, and so I just felt I was twenty one, so I just felt so inexperienced and so thick as well. Um, but, then- but
2: geographically, you don't know the place, so you're just yeah, yeah. yeah. You're trying to- you thought, well, there's the route, so I just wanted to try and yeah. bed down a bit. I
1: enrolled in French lessons. Did you? 30, did 30 hours of French lessons? Don't retain. Didn't retain any of it. Why? Because I was just lonely and just needed something to do. So I was like, "Fuck it, I'll do French lessons in New York."
2: At least you tried. That, At least though.
1: I tried. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, and, and I love it. And, I li- and now I live in Greenpoint in Brooklyn, and it's a nice little neighborhood. I have a really nice life there. But always. My heart's, like, 75% in London as well. I've just kind of moved there because then it was just easier to get to L.A. and then it just worked out in terms of jobs
2: yeah. as well. Because that's, of course, over there has been where the majority of your yeah. jobs has been. Really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, been what, two or three here? Definitely two that I know of.
1: Y- yeah, um, to over here. Mm. Um, yeah, only really two. I mean, Ready Player One filmed here, but it's American well, film. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But yeah, only, only two here, apart from my, my early work when I was 18. <laughs> um, did, I did three, did two BBC miniseries, one with you, oh, yeah. Craig, um, and a film, and then moved to Vancouver after that.
2: So yeah. how do you deal with the homesickness?
1: Oh, God, it was really, it really ate away, ate... Um, at me, it ate away, it ate away at me um, when when I was first going over there. Because I remember my first job was in Vancouver and it was for five months I didn't have any money. And I was hired as a local, which is ridiculous. My age, job was fucking shit. So uh, my American one, my first one. Um, so I was hired as a local. And so I had to, my initial plane ticket they paid for, but then everything else... Um, I had to, my flight back, they, uh, I had to pay for my rent there, I had to mm. pay for. Um, and, you know, I didn't get a per diem or anything like that. And I didn't have any money either because I'd done It's just
2: like you were paying three, them to do the job. You,
1: exact, well, yeah, I mean, you kind of are, aren't yeah. you, at, at first? And so my mum had to, like, give me money off her credit card and stuff like that. And I just, I didn't have any friends and I didn't really know how to cook. I didn't know how to, like, look after myself because... You know, I'd never been to uni and this kind of was my first time away from mm. home. Yeah, and I just felt like a pleb. I just felt so obsolete and so, um, I just felt like a bit of an invalid and I needed my mum massively. And then when I was 18, I was like, oh my God, my mum has done so much for me. I've given her such a hard time in my teenage years because we fight like cat and dog. Remember, I'd come home from school and I'd have massive period pains and, and I wanted to have a bath, but she needs the hot water because she's got hair dye on and then we're having a fight and she like kicks me down the stairs and I'm like, no, let me in! And she's got like dye running into her eyes. But, <laughs> but she's done so much for me and it's and I yeah, I really got... um. Just found a new, a, 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 the, the next level of love for my mum yeah. when I was over there and lamenting and, and crying on Skype at how much I missed her.
2: It happens. Yeah, I think it happens to everybody.
1: Yeah, but I'm really glad that I went through that because um, I think if I'd stayed in Manchester, then it would have taken me a few more years to realise that. that. Yeah, so I'm glad yeah. I appreciated it quite early on.
2: And we started off because we've kind of come like right oh, full yeah. circle, Sorry. really. And you were reflecting, sort of, on on the plane over here about the year. Mm. And someone would, on the outset, who doesn't know you, would probably look and go, "Wow, what a!" And it has been an incra- It's been a great, successful year for you. There's been yeah. lots of. So, but where does that stand within you, within your happiness? On reflection, do you think it's been a happy year for you? Within you,
1: I think actually, it's been a successful year in thing, in terms of things. Uh, uh, that have come out, but I actually haven't done a lot of work. And I think I'm most happiest when I am being creative and when I'm feeding off of other people and I'm wh- where I'm meeting these amazing people. Because you really do. I mean, we're so lucky with this job. I, I meet people that I would have never even dreamed of of having discussions with mm, and being or, so or, or stimulated.
2: Or been to places. That or, yeah. You f- dream about going there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, a good thing about promoting this year, I went to Japan for the first time and it wow. was... Amazing. It was amazing. It was like such a cultural experience, shock to the system. Um, but yeah, I actually haven't done a lot of work and I feel like I didn- my soul needs to be fed a little bit by just being on set and just doing some acting and just messing about and playing, really. Because it's been a lot of just talky-talky, talk about myself, try and look good, try and make them like me. In a weird way, try and not let them have that sound bite. Oh, they got that sound bite. Shit, I didn't actually say that, you know. <laughs>
2: well, you're safe here. You?
1: I know. It's quite nice. Thanks so much. Thanks, Craig. Did you enjoy that? Was that all yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. I was think it all it was right good. for you?
2: I loved it. Oh, okay. Was it what you thought it was going to be?
1: No. I had all these anecdotes in my head.
2: But you didn't feel like Spy was doing anything?
1: No. No, actually.
0: And another episode is done. I mean, she's incredible, isn't she? And, you know, we all think that we get to a certain point in our lives or our careers or whatever it is we're doing. And we all struggle. We all worry. We all have anxiety. And those things never change. But talking about it, May help. And I think it does, and I can't thank Olivia enough for getting off that plane and coming to meet me in that 1970s hotel, which we laughed about. She's brilliant. And if you haven't seen a Thoroughbreds or *Me and, her and the Dying Girl, she's she's just incredible. Yeah, go check out more of her work. And also fake competition, not really a competition, but if anybody can guess the double Two Shot Podcast guest link between this episode, in fact, it's a three episode, so there's three links with regards to this episode and other past guests on the Two Shot Podcast. Oh, you've got it, you're there before me, but if you haven't, have a think. Go back through the past 73 episodes and you probably get it. Now, look, two more things just before I go. I've just ordered a brand new load of beautiful Two Shot Podcast badges for this year. Now, if you don't know, them I'm going to tweet a picture of them this week. It's how you can help us, support us and throw a few quid away, but also get something in return. Show your loyalty. This is what I'm going to do. Can you hear my voices going? It's it's very late. I'm tired. And also, someone was asking me this week on Twitter about live shows. I'll tell you now, there's a possibility of three live shows this year. I can't say yet because we're not confirmed. We haven't made the dates work. But when we do, I'll throw the dates your way and where they are in the UK. They are spread out. I feel like I'm whispering now. Am I whispering? I am whispering now. Okay, well, look, that's it. Um, uh, thank you for joining us. You know where we are. We're on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's at two shot Pod, And uh, drop us a message there. We're twoshotpod at gmail.com. If you want to do an email, always welcome. And uh, we'll see you next week, and I'll have a better voice. Until then, thank you so much. Please do me a little favour. Yeah, okay, great. Make sure you hit subscribe. You don't have to listen to everything. Just hit subscribe. Maybe there'll be episodes that will surprise you. I know there will be. Hit subscribe. Give us a little iTunes rating. Yeah, do do the stars. If you want to write something beautiful, then you can do that. Write something horrible. Yeah, probably don't do that. That'd be nice. It all helps, okay? And until next week, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next Thursday. I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care. I'm slightly croaky. I'm going to have a LEM sip. Take care.